0: Hello and welcome to First Geek 411. I'm your host, Cameron Franklin. And with me, as always, is my best man, Chris Nicolay. Chris, how are you doing today?
1: I am great now. Yeah. I mean, before we even started actually yes. talking.
0: <laughs> yes. Um. So we recently hit affiliate, um, which means that we can now, you know, get subs and all that kind of stuff. And so Our normal procedure that is literally written in the show notes is to call out new subs at the end of the podcast. But it turns out if you want to get mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you just got to gift 10 subs and be awesome. Like our hype man himself, Chunk the Hut. So Justin, thank you so much. Seriously,
1: Justin, that, that, that's awesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we really appreciate it. You're great. Um, Yeah. Big shout out to you. If you would like to tune in and be maybe even partially as awesome as Justin, you can do that by finding us on our social media at 1geek411 on Facebook, Twitter, and our uh, PlayStation community and Instagram. Went a little out of order because I wasn't reading because I was hyped. You can also join our Discord server which with links that I apparently need to upgrade and I, or update, and I forgot to do that. You can send us an email at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com. And you can also check out our show notes on our website, onegeek411.com. You can watch live each Monday night at 645 Mountain Time um, and (laughs) be a part of our post-show chat. And then later you can find our videos over on YouTube. You can also rate and subscribe wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. So, Chris, we already discussed the hype train, but... We're on the hype train now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're there.
0: And so um, big thank you to everyone who's been following us um, and had some great streams this weekend. And we'll talk more about them and what I've been up to. Um, but yeah, um, we're affiliate. We're trying to figure out all that stuff. If you have cool suggestions for things, let us know. I have some plans for some Discord stuff and that kind of thing. I got to figure out how to get it all set up. Justin just gifted another sub. Um, and so again big shout out um and then um yeah so we got tons of stuff to figure out we need emoji ideas Justin I think it's only fair you get to pick the first emoji so if you want to message me on discord we'll, we'll work on getting that figured out um and then yeah We got got that to figure out. Eventually, we're going to need our founder's badges or like monthly badges or whatever that looks like. But yeah, got a lot of stuff to figure out. So really excited about it. So, Chris, what all have you been up to this past week?
1: I'm not too terribly much. I'm getting ready, obviously, so I won't be here next week, So because I'm getting ready to travel to Maine to see my sister. So I've been doing a lot of trip planning, but I did get some time in to play some Genshin Impact. Jumped in a little more of Ghost of Tsushima in there, um, just to kind of explore around a little more. I tried to start watching some of the new seasons of anime, but I've been a little too distracted to really pay attention, and most of what I watch is subbed, so gotta, gotta be present which I haven't been, Um, but for the most part, I've also been uh, listening to some more Prancing Pony podcast. Shout out to those guys. They put on a really good, like, if you want to go in deep, and the reason why I'm mentioning this is because we'll have some news later um, regarding Love of the Rings, but if you want to go deep into the uh, Middle Earth Legendarium, I definitely recommend those guys.
0: For me, um, this past weekend watched the grand finals for the um, magic the gathering that was i I, I wouldn't say it wasn't grand. Um, but it really wasn't a final, anything, but you know. um, so we'll talk about that a little bit because you know, um we can't have a tournament without everything getting ruined in magic. Um, that's what happens when you print overpowered cards. And so, other than that i played a lot of fall guys we streamed some season two friday and saturday so big shout out to all that
1: um which we also have some little additional news for but yeah just quick pieces
0: um and so that was that we had um justin emma and myself on friday and then justin Shanine and i on saturday and so it was a ton of fun and so i couldn't make it i'm sorry yeah you think you're so special with your other plans
1: wasn't other plans I had last minute things come up and then I wasn't uh, feeling well in the afternoon worth
0: it I'm sorry you were not feeling well
1: yeah okay for assuming'm no, just kidding <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and then other than that we've been continuing our doctor Who marathon got to meet Clara um and so well re-meet Clara I guess technically but um yeah and so it's going well. We just found out about nuclear subs and why they're bad. What? Yeah, turns out. Who would have guessed? We still use Nukes. them. You know? Maybe we have not learned the lesson.
1: <laughs> they're still out there. They're just sitting in the sea. They're waiting. <laughs> they're lurking.
0: Speaking of waiting, let's Nuclear's get to I mean, Nukes in itself, bad. correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, So let's get into our news segments, starting as always with video games. We got next-gen console news. And by news, I mean we're like a month out. Um, As of recording, it's exactly one month till the PlayStation 5 and one month minus two days to the Xbox Series X. And there have been pictures of the Series Xs getting ready to be shipped out to consumers and
1: to stores, so like pallets of them. So shout out to that. Mm Mm-hmm. We're obviously getting more in-depth looks of these. I'm gonna go into we're gonna go into a little more depth here in our tech segment regarding the PS5 since we've actually seen a full detailed teardown, but we'll go into that a little later. That's a little more techy, so we're putting it in that segment today. But yeah, really cool things, really cool things happening with this next gen. And yeah, for those of you who got managed to get a pre-order. Also, I mean prime days start tomorrow and there's also starting tomorrow potential more stock for pre-orders hmm. for the ps5 I believe or is that this weekend something along those lines something about more stock going up for who pre-orders i saw a piece of news about that just throwing that out there
0: sorry I'm trying to go ahead and prep for our top three for later so I don't so when I forget I'm also ready. Oh, and so, because I always forget to get the pages open and then it's scrambling when we're actually doing the top three. And so um, let's see. In some other PlayStation news, we got a bunch of information on a new trophy system that has been implemented, basically completely redoing the levels. So instead of going levels one to 40, it now goes from level one to 999. So shout out to that. Um, so it actually like you feel like you're making good progress, which is really nice. That I know,
1: like automatic progress if you platinum something, because like when I got my last platinum, it was like,
0: Bloop. Yeah. It's, like, it's it's really disappointing to get <laughs> a platinum and get like one percent or whatever. And like
1: you're like, wait, what?
0: <laughs> what just
1: happened? That was nothing.
0: But it's a really cool system. We'll throw a link to it in the show notes. Um, we're not gonna go too in depth, but basically, um The gist of it is you're now leveling quicker. And so, which is the best function. um, Granted, you have a lot
1: more levels to go through. Right. But. Yeah. At least like, hey, if you get a major trophy and you gain a level and a half, that feels like something. Instead of, I just. Right. I've completed this game through Platinum and I'm still only 10% to my next level. Right.
0: Yeah. I've already leveled up since this went in place. Um, just by getting like one gold trophy leveled me up. And so, um, shout out to that. Um, and we're talking, when we're talking imaginary points, we might as well make the imaginary points scale really quickly. And so makes sense. Then we also got some news about some doctor who video games that are in the works. We're going to save that for next week. Um, just because that's like really conveniently timed news. Just doctor who bridge crew. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. You know, it might be, <laughs> but we'll you have to tune back in next week to find
1: out. Do you know who I think should make the Doctor Who video game or? They who? should get the devs from Assassin's Creed on that. Because I mean, with the time travel feature, you can do a lot of like, you know, include a lot of that natural history and like make it more educational. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I'm very pro that, but you guys can talk about that more. <laughs> yep, I have thoughts.
0: So we'll discuss them next week. And then we also got some
1: more Ghost of Tsushima news. What else is going on there, Chris? So they're incorporating the best feature yet, which is going to let you pet dogs and turn them into allies.
0: You could not pet. I'll okay, give you pet the foxes, but you
1: could right. not pet the doggos. Nope, nope. They attack you. You they, they fight you. Oh, the doggos are on the Mongol side in general, oh. but not anymore. Because now you can, now you can the pet doggos. them and steal the doggos. And I'm very pro this. This is the best feature. Because like, that's like, you know, that's what made Red Dead Redemption so good. <laughs> like anyone, anytime you get to go pet the doggos and take them as pets, a game is a guaranteed success. So they're just further guaranteeing themselves some success. Best feature ever.
0: Speaking of best features ever, you alluded to this in our, what we've been up to. We're getting a Sonic the Hedgehog skin in Fall Guys. Yes. <laughs> and it looks not as bad as the initial Sonic from the movie. That's all I have to say. Like, it, still it, doesn't, very weird. <laughs> it doesn't look great, but it's not as bad. So at least there's that. Um Then...
1: Well I guess we'll save the sack. I just, news for, I just for last love though. how like stocky his arms look in this. <laughs> it so just looks like, he looks like a ripped sonic. Like it's just these big forearms and everything instead of like just his noodle arms from like the, from his animations. Looks yeah, so he's, good. he's gonna mess you up. I, I really hope they do like other Sonic characters skins. That'd be awesome too. Mm-hmm. Like, get me get me some knuckles in there. <laughs> yeah, they might. I know when they did the
0: portal ones. I think they put two out initially then added a third one like the next week. So uh, and that's definitely something that, that they could do where they do Sonic and Tails and then next week add Knuckles or something. They need to do Rose. Yeah. Eggman's yeah. a little too on the nose.
1: Yeah, that's a little... That, you, <laughs> you could probably already just do that with what you have. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but... um. Some other really cool news is that Final Fantasy 16 has already completed basic development and scenario production. I say in a high pitched question mark.
1: So what this means is essentially they they have the story. So all their scenarios are planned. Um they have the general framework for the game completed. But this is so this is something I wanted to bring up because like from what we saw in the during the PS5 event um for Final Fantasy 16 is a lot of used assets to show. So they're showing that they have the framework, but now, like, what we mean, so, like, the game essentially is done. They have to now generate all the assets and the textures and everything for the actual game now. So, what we saw from their original event was a ton of, like, oh, just throw this Final Fantasy 14 skin on the on this sprite and anime, and render it. Call it good. It's just, we're just trying to get the idea out there. So now they have to go back through and reskin everything and actually plan for all the actual assets and finalize boss battles and mechanics.
0: Right. Um, and this is kind of like what we saw them do with um, Kingdom Hearts 2 by 8 2.8 Fragmentary Passage. I don't know, their subtitles are crazy. But like the first time they showed it um, and they had Terra in it, he looks really, really bad. Um, and it was just because the models weren't done yet. They hadn't finished doing exactly what you're right. talking about. So like, we've definitely seen um, Square do this type of thing before. And it definitely makes a lot of sense. Like get your initial, your initial wave out there, especially for a game that is as hyped as Final Fantasy 16 is. And then let people, uh, or then let your devs upgrade as they can now that the basic um, mechanics are
1: done. Right. And it also, it, it just allows for more freedom. It allows you to release announcements um, and things. But like, yeah, I was like, I was like, I immediately picked up and during that day, during their, their portion there. I'm like, those are final five, 14 characters. That's a 14 yeah. skin. That's from the MMO for sure. And it is also very obvious because there are some completed characters in the announcement and, right you can definitely tell the the art's just different the art is just plain different but um yeah i'm happy to hear that that wasn't that that ultimately my my thought process was correct and that they were just temporary skins while they complete the actual art and everything and finalize things also with this type of process that also means they can get uh it to testers sooner so they can work out any bugs um So that hopefully results in a more polished game by the time release comes around. Sometimes. For Square, usually. Then
0: we've got two bits of sad news. The first one is that Level 5 Games is reportedly ending their North American operations. Um, And apparently there's no concrete plans to bring any more of their games outside of Japan. So that doesn't mean, assuming this is, actually happens. Um, it doesn't mean we wouldn't see them outside of Japan. It would just be mean that another company would have to step up and publish
1: right. It, it, for the most part like as we mentioned, it, it just just say there are no concrete plans. Um, it's probably likely going to be like yeah, another company publishers like a game doing well, something that they know will do well in the. US more likely instead of just trying to do an international market. Um, but yeah. This is a little sad because I love level five games and I, I do enjoy Nino Cooney and their partnership with Ghibli markets and, um and whatnot, but yeah, yeah, they have essentially, they started doing major layoffs back in 2019. And so this is just kind of a finalization of that, but I mean, they don't need North American employees to bring their games here still though. I'm just saying. Right. And just like
0: looking through, like they've definitely done some really cool stuff in the past. Um, but really, I'm on their Wikipedia. Of late, they've basically done Nino Kuni and then Yokai Watch. And like, those are basically everything that they've done for the past like four years. Like, there's some other stuff like Leighton's Mystery Journey and stuff like that sprinkled in. But
1: yeah, it's, it's basically those two IPs are predominantly. I mean, it makes sense. Japan is going to be their biggest market. I mean, They've they've made so many games that I'm very fond of, like the Dark Cloud series from PS2 era. Um, obviously, Nino Kuni starting back in the PS3 era. Um, they've been responsible and connected to Dragon Quest games. Mm-hmm. Um, so many good things, uh, but I guess ultimately, that's just not as big of a market here. Um, you know, a lot of the games they they're very they're pretty niche, but definitely more popular in Japan. So makes sense not to spend production dollars on less successful titles, for sure.
0: Right, especially translating.
1: Right, like that's where because that's what they're spending on essentially is the translation, and the transfer into the U.S. Mar- or the American, English market, and that might just not be worth it. Oh well.
0: Yeah.
1: At and least then, they're still around, though. So yeah, they are still in business. Important. At least they're still so. in business. I'll just have to learn some Japanese. Yeah.
0: Then, um, I guess in our last bit of video game news and our first bit of Amazon news, Amazon has canceled Crucible, their free-to-play multiplayer shooter, after it did really bad, and then they returned it to closed beta, and then now they've just canned it. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to be honest, Chris, had you heard of Crucible
1: before this? I've heard things here and there. Um, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah, that's basically, I I didn't know gameplay or anything about the game. I just heard that Amazon was creating a game called crucible.
0: Right. And that's about where I was too. Like I knew they were doing this stuff. I didn't even realize it was like the whole, it came out, flopped, put back and closed. But I didn't know any of that had happened. Um, But now, granted, the free-to-play multiplayer shooter is not exactly our genre of game, right? Um, So, like, it makes sense that we would we would have missed this. But um, it's definitely one of those things that's like it seems,
1: yeah. But something that is a little more probably in us. um, Their developers are then instead being moved or connected, transferred to titles such as New World, which is Amazon's upcoming MMO. Yeah. I'm intrigued. I like MMOs sometimes. I won't, they're hard to get into. Right. The time commitment is definitely the thing. Right. Like, um, I like specific MMOs.
0: Right. And, like, for me, it's a lot of them is I really enjoy the game. I just don't like the commitment. And so, like, that that's really been the thing that's turned me off from that genre. Um, because, you like, you basically feel like you need to always be playing. Um, you need to always be grinding that next gear. Very much like the, um, excuse me, the games as service genre that we have right now. Yeah. Where it's like, if you're not grinding that next thing and you're not helping your team with the raid, you're not doing those things, like you kind of just fall behind and then you don't do that enough and now you're too far behind.
1: That might be where my fondness for Final Fantasy 14 is because 14 is just so heavily story-based. Granted, yes, there is those deep end game things, but you can just play the story and call it good.
0: Yeah.
1: From from expansion to expansion, and that's probably one of that's might be one reason why fourteen is one I always return to. Um, granted, we've also seen other MMOs come out, so like World of Warcraft Classic. <laughs> why people? Why? <laughs> why would you want to return to that? Um.
0: Yeah. And yeah, we'll see. Um, we got a comment in chat from from Justin it says, "I think it was a mistake for Amazon to try to get into gaming. Like, it's so hit or miss. Like, we saw this with Google Stadia. Amazon recently announced their like their cloud streaming service. Um, like, it's such a good market to get into, but it's so hard to make. Like,
1: I mean, Amazon has some major advantages in this field, so that they can push right. a game pretty easily because you know, Twitch.
0: Right. And then, and they can literally put it on all of the tape that they send out for their packages and just have like basically have free advertising in that sense to build like, exactly. I, it's like, I'd say billions of people like,
1: right. I think, I think them just trying to like the, the crucible was just really it, it from what I've seen and read after the, after this announcement of its cancellation them trying to be enter the competitive esports world with a game initially right away. And mm-hmm. Yes, but pick like pick something a little different. In, yep. in esports, we we have Overwatch, we have that shooter aspect, arena aspect, and we even have now we have Valorant. Um, you know, you could start somewhere right. different, or you know pick purchase a studio and let them run with it
0: right i mean and i think we've seen this even more recently with like how crowded the battle royale genre is getting like again i say as like that's very much not our genre um between the two of us well, but like favorite though, Cameron. i mean i'm the best favorite doesn't mean good chris or doesn't uh, <laughs> <bum, bum, bum. laughs> um and too so, good that it's not a challenge that's why I don't it's, just it. <laughs> it's just so, not like, fair It's just like
1: yeah, you call me the equalizer for a reason. <laughs> the equalizer, <laughs> um,
0: but I think we've seen that with like, from what I've heard about like um about hyperspace hyperscape hyperscape hyperscape, where like it kind of just never caught on because so many of these pe- those people are playing Apex, and like you so you kind of have your niches of like you have your Fortnite that's kind of the goofy artsy battle royale, you have PUBG that's trying to be more realistic. Um, and then like an air quotes, more realistic. And then you have apex. That's kind of the more over the top superpowers, all those kinds of things. And then hyperscape just kind of didn't catch on because it didn't have a a corner in the market. And so, I mean, while I completely think that Amazon can, whether it's the MMO genre or something else, like, like imagine, okay. So imagine for the MMO, you, that's pay per month unless you've bought something with your Amazon prime. And then as like, as long as you're shopping at Amazon, it's
1: free to play. That'd be nice for an MO actually.
0: Like, that's, not, that, like, bad. that's like, a good that's way to fund a, a game.
1: Right. That's not a crazy idea. Like we could I definitely mean, see them do the something like that. They bought all those rights for Lord of the Rings. They should just buy the rights for a Lord, the, the Lord of the Rings video game.
0: Speaking of Lord of the Rings, Chris, let's get into movies, TV <laughs> and entertainment um, where we've got, some revealing Lord of the Rings news. Chris, tell me how you feel.
1: Okay, so first let's let let's explain what's going on. So we still don't know much about Lord of the Rings, like at all, or the Amazon series Lord of the Rings. Um, but we do, we get these little pieces either through casting calls or certain recent hires um, in, from New Zealand. By the way, 80% of like the film, television and film industry in New Zealand is working on Lord of the Rings. Is that a no crazy points. statistic or what? Um, that makes me excited. But this news makes me a little skeptical. Um, so they hired... Uh, so ultimately, casting calls have revealed um, that ultimately, cast members should be comfortable with nudity. And they've also hired an intimacy coordinator. Um, and an intimacy coordinator is essentially there to make sure people are comfortable during sex scenes or whatever, or during nude scenes or whatever is happening on set. And yeah, Amazon, Amazon better not turn the beloved Lord of the Rings series that I've been waiting for and was so excited for into Game of Thrones. It's not.
0: Okay, but Chris, what if instead of being this super boring, long-winded series with a good ending. Sex, right. An extremely good buildup to all the plot points. They just had nudity instead.
1: No. (laughs) Here's the thing that like, because... You know, the lore of the ring, Amazon Lord of the rings, Twitter talking about production and stuff like early on in the planning stages, right after this was announced, they're like they're referencing, Hey, we're going to hit up those appendixes. So they're researching deep into legendarium by reading these, the big appendices that have been released in conjunction of understanding the legendarium. And that made me so excited. It's like, Hey, this is gonna be well-researched. This is gonna be well thought out. It's going to be accurate. And then this, <laughs> In general, like, it's just not something Tolkien included in his writings, just because in general he was a pretty devout Catholic, and the graphicness of, I mean, granted, like, there is intimacy in the series. I mean, obviously, I mean, we have Aragorn and Arwen, and, you know, there's obviously couples throughout the series, but I don't know what to think of this. Like, we we already don't know enough as is. right. And now this is like one of the first big pieces of news we get about the series. You're just like, that doesn't sound like Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah. I really like the point. You, you made it a little bit ago and it's the one you made in, in, in the discord where you like, and I'm going to read what you said. Um, I didn't mind game of Thrones because it was its own thing, but Lord of the Rings is not game of Thrones. Like, and I, I think that that's a really good point. Like one of the, and even like with the Hobbit movies, one of the problems with them is that they weren't Lord of the Rings. Like they weren't, they didn't like they they went more for this like goofier side, which meant which fits in with the Hobbit's story, but it they didn't really make it feel like it fit. And so, like, and right. that was something that like didn't necessarily click for me until I saw that you'd put that. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes
1: a lot of sense. Right. And the Hobbit, yeah, right. The Hobbit should be its own thing. Also, shouldn't have been three movies, uh, right. but. And they should have left certain things out that just never happened in the legendarium. <laughs> Looking at you, Tariel, and falling in love with a dwarf, that doesn't happen. Dwarves and Elves are just too different. I'm mean, now we can get into that some other time, but also well, just on that note, elves and men only like there's only three instances of those types of relationships. And to go any farther with that conversation, we'd have to hire
0: an intimacy coordinator. Probably. But, or have a dedicated
1: <laughs> like segment, but. but
0: in in ah. other not quite as upsetting news. In fact, I'm pretty hyped about it. Pretty hyped about this one. Yeah. Because I know what you're some, thinking
1: as this news yes. with this news. <laughs> so
0: it has been revealed that um, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange will be in Spider Man 3. Um, kind of continuing the news that we've been getting with this with um, Jamie Foxx back as Electro. Um, And so I'm really excited about this. Supposedly he'll be stepping into that mentor role similar to what we saw with Tony Stark. Um, And so I'm really curious to what this is going to be. Last week we kind of talked about how what makes me super interested in the electro news is that it means literally anything could happen. Um, And it's probably not the craziest thing, but like adding Dr. Strange into the mix definitely opens up what this could, what could be going on. Um, I'm not buying into the whole, like Spider-Man three is going to be into the spider verse, but live action, but like this definitely opens it up to there being some sort of stuff
1: out there, multiversity wise. You know, I really hope, like, if they do go big into the Spider Verse, I really hope they did, like add cameos for, for Tover Grace and and in Garfield, Toby Maguire? Tover, yeah, Toby, sorry, yeah, Toby <laughs> McGuire, <laughs> and just like just get them back in there. You could be like, I know he's so much older now. But like you can be an, he could be an adult Spider-Man, come on. Mhm. Adult Peter Parker. I'd be very pro all of that. Yeah. I'm
0: I'm really interested to what this Even means just is from it. a
1: comedy perspective.
0: Yeah. And I would love to see this even work the opposite way too. Where now we get to see some sort of Spider-Man appearance in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Like Mhm. Like And again, like, I'm not buying into the this means there's going to be a Spider-Verse. But, like, I mean, it's a rights nightmare. But, like, the Spider-Verse, because of how well that movie did, is one of the most recognizable multiverse things. And so if there was going to be a bunch of, like, madness in the multiverses, it makes sense to do some sort of Spider-Verse thing. But we'll see.
1: Right. Yeah, who knows? There's, there is there is a lot of opportunity there. Um, but yeah, great news. Mm-hmm. And
0: that means it's time for our favorite name segment. <laughs> Chris, what do you got for us?
1: So, um, last week, which... Great news for you, Cameron, because it means that I'm that much closer to building PCs. <laughs> um, AMD, we had the AMD Ryzen event, so they released their five thousand. They're skipping the four thousand because that caused confusion for a specific chip named in the Ryzen two series. Um, but we get we got the Ryzen Zen three event or the Ryzen five thousand chip series set, which is just crazy. Um, so this is their, kind of their final iteration on their seven nanomino process set, um, and we're seeing some crazy efficiency here. Um, so their highest end line is going to run 16 cores and 32 threads. Up to a with a base frequency of 3.4 and a boost frequency of 4 4.9, super high. These are really fast chipsets. These are like 25 28 percent faster than the previous generation, with a smaller power footprint, which is the big thing we want to know here, because these are all 105 watt or TDP. Uh, they have a all have a TDP of 105 watts, which is in general like their gen average power consumption, um, or their high end power consumption and that's it's just crazy. These chipsets are not only that, but they're also cost effective. So we're gonna like the mobile version of these chips is me phenomenal. Um, we already know that obviously AMD is powering the PS both the PS4 I mean PS5 and the Xbox Series X with custom Zen three chips. So seeing this event made me really hyped for next gen, but also just what it means for PC gaming. And also that means they're competing even more with Intel. So what do you think Intel did in response, Cameron? Um,
0: rushed something to market.
1: No. Or like like sudden release of something. Kind of. What they did is they did do a very sudden drop in price on one of their mm-hmm. i3 processors, which is a four core processor. Um, very baseline, but any, like any more that's like, like if you want a very budget, but possibly like probably game at 1080 with a good GPU or anything, but they released an i3 four core eight thread processor for under a hundred dollars from their Comet Lake lineup. Sub hundred dollar CPUs aren't good typically. (laughs) Or not something you're typically if you're building your own PC, it's not something you're gonna buy. This one, if you were like a beginning to build PCs, I would buy this chipset. Like if I was gonna build you a PC right now that we just need to get you by, I would buy this Intel chip. So the Comet Lake i3, um, from their Comet Lake lineup, um, sub one hundred dollars. Yeah, it's it dropped it down to like ninety seven. Um, which will also likely... Because Intel chipsets typically came at a premium. So... We're going to see those prices come down, which means... Cheaper parts for all of us. Yeah. means Cameron might be getting a PC next spring. Ba-ba-da-ba. Maybe. Well, we'll probably, see. actually. For sure, in the spring. Maybe this fall. <laughs> but, um. But yeah, this is super exciting. They also set up a a setup to announce to also compete further on the PCN because AMD does both CPUs and GPUs. They announced their big Navi lineup or their big Navi event coming later this month on August 20 or October, um, COVID brain, um, October 28th. So we'll hopefully see good things come from that. but yeah, I'm excited to see where they take this partnership with both Sony and Microsoft in developing hardware and what that will mean for the advancement of consoles and PCs. Because I'm assuming that we'll see pro versions of the current of this next-gen lineup, and I'm stoked. And I had to include it here just because, you know, it is tech. But in other news, back to speaking of next-gen consoles. so we get the p we also got the ps5 teardown we want to include that here because it is mostly an exclusive look at the tech um yeah i
0: mean it's it's very similar to the wired magazine stuff that we initially got like while it is video games it's it's very much not focused it's not focused on the game aspect of it it's focused on the functional tech side of it
1: right so like i could talk about like PC stuff in the game segment but it is more tech because it does more and so did like I mean there are more tech implications from the teardown than actual video game implications did you watch the entire teardown
0: I watched probably about the first half and then um, then just like read through the rest of what was shown Um, I, I like I said I watched yeah probably about half like I know, they they probably I think they started taking out the fans and stuff like that when okay. I stopped watching.
1: I mean, first of all, we get that cool base. I know Microsoft made some jabs on Twitter about it, and I loved those jabs. They were they were great. <laughs> How do you do, flop. Um, But I mean, this is a very like in terms of the thought that they put into making this a finalized piece and design. That base is actually really cool. I mean, the spare screw has a spot. like there's cool things just happening in that in that base. Um, just in general. but um, but there are cool things that came out in this um, that make me really excited regarding mostly the cooling system and obviously the fans are big. and they have officially said that the PS5 is big because it needs to be um they're incorporating like all these dust catchers um obviously cooling um and some crazy things but they're doing something that we haven't seen come from a factory built device yet um so in pc overclocking there's a thing called delitting. and it's very dangerous well kind of it's nerve-wracking and scary. But it's where you remove like the primary cooler piece that you put your cooler on from your PC, and then you add liquid metal directly onto the chipset. Liquid metal has a higher transfer rate than, say, thermal paste or anything like that. And so you can actually ultimately cool. And we are seeing that type of concept instead of just standard thermal paste in these devices. So hopefully we won't have any solder issues like the PS3, Cameron. Yep.
0: That would be nice. They're not somebody cheaping out here. Who's OG PS3 yellow lighted, so. Mine too.
1: Although um, I've mine like six times, but eventually it didn't work. Yeah. Um,
0: One of the big things, like, I mean, this is definitely less on the, I mean, I guess, I mean, it's a little bit on the techie side. We also got to see the the storage solution for additional like hard drive space. Um, also, Xbox took a really good jab at this, where all you have to do for the Xbox is plug in the pro- proprietary card. Like, yes, that is way easier. You win Xbox, like,
1: uh, but I mean, we, easier, but also more expensive, at least for now. Yeah, because Xbox has their proprietary format. Granted, Sony's technology for is. In terms of their drives, is proprietary, like the structure drive structure, but the drives themselves are standard from PC to the PS4 or PS5. So I mean, it's a standard format for 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 these drives. So little tech know how goes a long way in saving you a lot of money. In terms right, of and, then, and
0: then then something forward. that we saw. Sony do with the PlayStation I and mean, PlayStation Three as well, but and the PlayStation Four, where they like it's just was just a SATA drive, and so you could just pop it out, plug in a new one, and you were good to go.
1: I mean, this goes all the uh, way back to PS2 when you could add a hard drive to your PS2. So oh yeah, you for your PS2 Eleven. Yeah, I did that because I was playing Final Fantasy Eleven on the PS2. Makes sense at the time. um But yeah, I mean, it's something that Sony's always done. They've never really outside few exceptions where they've done proprietary memory.
0: Camera, like the Vita, which, yeah exactly like the only, worst thing about the vita was the proprietary memory yes could have just been a micro
1: sd card but it wasn't but it wasn't it's like everything's so close but then just like no just put in a proprietary form factor Jeez. you know better than to do that granted microsoft has in the past in general for the consoles, con, their consoles done a proprietary form factor right and something that we could see here too balance. though yeah
0: with while the, like, Xbox Series X card is proprietary now, we could definitely see it just becoming a function of PCs. Like, just have it be something where you could plug that card or, or plug a similar card into the PC. Like, Microsoft has the the bandwidth, bandwidth to make that just be a thing. Like, not necessarily that you could go between the two, but...
1: That they could make it so you could just buy these cards, making like an attachment. But I don't like, in terms of PC parts, they are they're they're so universal for the most part. They're the standards aren't set by Microsoft themselves, right? Obviously, Microsoft is just the operating system that most people load onto their PC builds,
0: Um, right? But what I'm saying is Microsoft could just be like, here are these cards, like they could take the hit to make it an affordable thing just for PCs just to get it out there which I'd
1: be very pro. Yeah. Um but yeah, granted it's also a single slot for upgrade um for them but Yeah, it's easier. They made that easier. Um yeah, also the necessity to upgrade is going to be dependent. Obviously, I think that's going to be more likely to because of like, mostly you just need to save your save data. So mm-hmm. cloud storage is perfect for that. And that's something that both companies are doing really well. And then ultimately, like you don't need to keep all of your games readily installed. Um, and that's something I think both companies are aware of. And right. that's what came into their decision at the initial hard drive size.
0: Right. And that's something that we've seen a lot with the people that have had Xbox Series Xs is that they've been testing that where it's like, it's not great to run the games off other things, but if you just transfer the game when you're not using it and then like get it off, put on a different game and then swap around, it takes like, I want to say it was like 15 minutes to put us like 70 gig game from the card onto the console. Mm-hmm. So like, so you can, I mean, that takes some forethought, but like, Right, not
1: a it's lot. not like I mean, yeah, it's not a ton. <laughs> you can do something else while you're waiting, um, and we'll probably see something very similar from the PS Five. Like it's like if, yeah. if it's something okay, a brand new game you want on your main drive, game that you're playing here and there, put on a secondary drive and move it back and forth, or keep the ones that you're actively doing, or you know, you're 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 still gonna have plenty of storage to have multiple games. So while you're waiting for a transfer, you can be playing another game too. Um, yeah, I'm super excited for this though. Um there are some preliminary tests also out there that show that the PS5 has a higher um and at least granted these are unconfirmed and it's a very small sample that the PS5 may have a higher um max operating temp than the Series X, which is a little worrisome in terms of competitiveness between the two because obviously you opted for a larger format console, but may have inferior cooling. We'll see exactly what that looks like in production. Earn um, what those actual, and also like under stress. But yeah, I'm excited for both of these for the most part, but it was just really cool to see a production console use liquid metal as part of its cooling format because that stuff is phenomenal and works really well for heat transference. Also, removal side panels. We know every we're excited about that. I don't have to wait half a year to customize my thing. <laughs> Or a special edition just fins. I'm all about that.
0: I mean, right. that we had already heard this, but we did get to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess kind of see how easy it is to remove the side panels. Um, that's something that they talked about before, but I don't know if we'd actually like physically seen. And so it's definitely pretty cool. It
1: was just mentioned that, hey, yes, the side panels are removable. And then now we actually got to see them come off and what that looks like. And yeah, I'm just going to have a collection of fins (laughs) for this generation. It's like, yeah, I just want to change things up this time. Super cool though. But that's, that's pretty much about it. Just really awesome news in terms of PC gaming and next-gen console tech. Um, that's dongle news.
0: And that brings us into the tangibles. At the top of the show, I mentioned watching the grand finals as part of past weekend. And Chris, you know my favorite part of watching major Magic the Gathering tournaments is?
1: Bands. No,
0: I'm well, I was going to say getting to go play the decks before they get banned. Um, and so it used to be, and like, I mean, I, like, we don't, this is not a Magic the Gathering cast, so we don't need to get super into it, but it used to be like, you could like watch a game online and be like, oh, that's a cool deck. I'm going to go build that deck and then play it. But like, um, with the recent mistakes in design and development, um, for cards, like we had Oko, that was like 60 something percent of the meta, like at this tournament for standard, the new Omnath was 72% of the competitive <laughs> meta. Now, granted, like, it's a small tournament of, like, 32 pros. So, like, it's it's different than right. a, like, 1,000-person tournament. But, like, I mean, it sure does say something that I think it was 23 out of 32 players
1: played Omnath. Like, I mean, The only reason why Omnath is even feasible, though, is because of those dual cards. For the most part. Like... Having the option to color fix like that, right. while also yeah. having, expelled, yes and no. I think like, that would be a big piece because Amethyst is four colors, right? Right, and
0: and some of it comes down like I, as somebody who I mean I primarily play Historic, so I just have great lands, like because right. um, you have shock lands and um, but yeah, but you get the triumphs, which are a huge plus, um, since that's three of your four colors. Um, I think the, the front and back lands actually hinder that deck because you have to have picked the right side. Like, it's very, like, if you pick the wrong side because you needed that color of mana early, you now don't also get the other side like you would with a shock land. Um, and while, like, that's, like, a negligible amount of games, I definitely think that's a part of it. But the big thing that we saw was the adventure package with... Um, what was that's it? whatever the beanstalk giant plus um oh. plus lucky clover and so you would just go and get two or three basic lands and you just get the ones you need and then, that makes sense so run yeah. predominantly
1: green and or yeah. a little more green than anything else obviously anytime you're running multiple colors if you have green, right you want a little more green just because it fixes faster but right i can see that yeah that's a good combination but yeah. I'm, I, I guess i'm just surprised to see a four-color deck being primary for any standard format
0: right and i harder. think yeah it, it's it's definitely surpri- not it surprised me not that the deck is good but that the deck was as good and as dominant as it was to the point where like one of the teams of pros had had brought a green red aggro deck specifically to beat the omnath decks and two out of those three players made the top eight then they went one and six in the top eight. Like, like, wow. Yeah, like, that's that's, that's not where you...
1: <laughs> one specific counter. Right. The majority of the meta, and then you just get annihilated by the rest of the meta.
0: Yeah. Well, they, they went one and six against, against the Omnath. deck, against oh. the Omnath decks. Like, against the decks that they were literally there to beat. They went one and six. Now, granted, they made top eight, so that's a huge boon in itself. Like, that's, that's a really good thing for magic. But, then, but like, it's just one of those things. And so... Let's um, so actually go through the bans. We saw Omnath, locus of creation, has basically been banned on Arena. Like you can play it in Historic Brawl, but that's the only place now. Now, granted, Historic Brawl is the best Brawl, but like, um, Man. like the so we saw brawl. <laughs> right. Like, um, so Omnath, locus of creation, was banned in Standard, Historic, and Brawl. Lucky Clover has been banned in Historic. Escape the to the Wilds has been banned in Standard, or Lucky Clover has been banned in Standard. Escape to the Wilds banned in Standard. Um. Teferi and um, Time Raveler and Wilderness Wreck are now officially banned and historic from suspended. And then Burning Tree Emissary is back. It's been unsuspended. So RG aggro is coming back. Perfect. And historic. <laughs> but um, I saw somebody post about it. Um, and MTG Goldfish talked about it on their podcast that six out of the eight cards currently banned in standard are from Throne of
1: Eldraine. I love that set though. Yeah. And then again, un- I I look at everything from a commander perspective for the right. most part. So I'm not thinking about standard meta. And that's that probably is their problem right. right now, is they they design too much thinking of commander sometimes. And they're just they're just trying to include good cards for commander sometimes and it breaks the format. Right. And I, I think Omnath itself is a perfect example of that. Like, well,
0: definitely a good commander. I definitely wouldn't put Omnath as better than Atraxa, or a Marine, or Moldrotha, or these other like really high synergy decks in Commander. But when you have Omnath and you have Fabled Passage, like like decks are playing Evolving Wilds to multi-trigger Omnath, like like and I, and I saw somebody uh, somebody on commentary. They said when Evolving Wilds is playable in Standard, you either have a really good format or a really degenerate format and basically it was just being used as a way to gain that second trigger so that you could get the four mana from omnath
1: like makes sense yeah um yeah good yeah see what I'd like to see them probably do more is what they were kind of doing with zendikar is doing the sub commander set thing so that they can design cards specifically for their for commander or mm-hmm you know these these other structures and then then you don't have to worry about those being standard legal and you can make some more experiment or experiment more with those more powerful cards that are going into these singleton formats um and kind of do something along those lines granted they i mean they're already doing a lot of of design and just kind of in in those things and it'd just be cool like especially since you know, we're doing new planes, we're doing revisits to planes. It's cool to see them be able to do R&D for both. Okay, dedicate your R&D for the primary set and most of the cards to standard. Makes sense. But also, let them go a little haywire and make some broken cards for command. Right.
0: So with that, it's time for our top three list of the week. And... um As I was posting this this morning, I came to the realization that it kind of just excluded anyone that got into gaming later in life. So I amended the comment. Um, So for Chris and I, we're doing our top three games from our childhood. Or if you're someone that got into gaming later in life, what are the games that got you into playing games? And so um, over on our Twitter, um, we got some good responses from our man, Hype man himself, Justin. Um, Super Mario Brothers three, Sonic the Hedgehog two, and Kid Chameleon. Um, Super Mario Brothers three was on my short list. Did not make it, but um, and then Kid Chameleon is a game I played later in life, and it's definitely a lot of fun. It's definitely one that like I could see myself having liked it had I played it earlier, but alas nerd mountain podcast or mountain nerds podcast said mine was super mario 64 playing on um there's currently playing on switch no idea how i got this far in the game as a kid but but struggle as an adult um it's yeah i mean super mario 64 is definitely one of the most iconic third-person platformers of all time like i mean mean, the
1: first (laughs) right
0: and i mean but i mean you could you could be the first and be awful but I like mean, true. But I mean but, we probably would have
1: seen as much if it wasn't as good as it was.
0: Exactly. And that's what I'm that's why it's so iconic where it's it's not just a footnote. And like, well, like um Mountain Nerds make a really good point later on about like struggles with the camera now that you're going like where you're used to a better camera control system. But like for the time, like it's definitely one of those things that would have also
1: just been the controller's
0: fault. You got that Joy-Con drift going, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, you know what say. I mean, as in the literal thing that I said? Right. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, we very much see that with like the Sonic games, like the 3D Sonic games, where it's like they technically
1: exist, but. <laughs> hey, well, now. You can add me on that one. Um, I, I mean, it depends on which ones we're talking about. I definitely enjoyed Sonic Adventure on Dreamcast itself. I liked, yeah. I enjoyed
0: Sonic Adventure. I mean, I played them on GameCube, but like. Um, when they, when they ported them over there, but, um, from inroads, we got the original final fantasy, the legend of Zelda and Castlevania three, um, final fantasy got me in because I could make whatever group I wanted with whatever skill set up. Plus the red wizard, um, looked like a boss
1: because he was, I mean, yeah. Red I mean, yeah, it's a good reason they, 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 they were a boss. I mean, they were they were both Melee and Magic users. What more did you want?
0: Um, and then from uh, Marshall Shutter, um, who's at Nova Crusade, um, said Super Mario World from the Super NES, Spyro, or Crash Bandicoot on PS1, um, and then Streets of Rage for the Sega. And then over on our Instagram, we got one from Emma, um, saying, um, y'all should know this um, one by now, given how much I can um, literally gush about it, but Horizon Zero Dawn,
1: hands down. It's a, pretty much the first game she played and Yeah. You're welcome, it,
0: Emma. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as far as, like, modern games to get you into gaming, like, Horizon Zero Dawn is a pretty awesome one to start with. I mean, true. And so... Um, But um, with that, Chris, let's go ahead and get into our list. And I guess, as our caveat, we're saying childhood's less than 10, which means all, all the games had to have been released by the end of 2000. Correct. To make this list for us.
1: Yep. That's very true. Which was easy for me, for the most part. Granted, when you're thinking about the age constraints too, some of the games I might list might not be appropriate for me at that age. Just throw that out there. Yeah.
0: Which is kind of like the story of your life,
1: Chris. I'm a very liberal gamer, okay? I mean, very I mean, true. True, true. (laughs) Am I going first? Okay. Yeah, you're going first. So, first one I'm gonna throw out there. Not a console game, it's a PC game. Warcraft. The original Mm. Warcraft. First RTS. Um it's just such a great start uh, i mean and <laughs> it's old um but i just enjoyed the uh, it got me into uh, the rts aspect of games but also really good storytelling obviously you can tell how much that has blown up since then it's a series i've always followed granted i have a hard time getting back into world of warcraft um but I do love the, in general, just the fant- high fantasy aspect of Warcraft mm-hmm. and everything. Um, I loved playing elves uh, or I guess humans, so you can hire the elves as archers and and their sassiness is great. Um, and just a really, honestly, it's a really good early game. Surprisingly, a P- mm-hmm. early PC game. Um, and yeah we should yeah. say it launched back in november of
0: 1994 yeah um so i was literally looked up the time for when this game came out cuz i was going to put warcraft 3 on mine um for a it's lot of the 2006? reasons that you said it's 2002 So Um, it's 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 a year and a half outside of our. It's it's July two thousand two, so it's a year and a half outside of our. Could have done Warcraft two, but it is and like I played Warcraft two, but like Warcraft three is the one that
1: like I really connected with. I don't like honestly, we didn't buy Warcraft two until later, so I didn't include that because I wouldn't have played it until I was a little older anyway, like until I was like twelve or whatever. Um, But yeah, so I I did original. Warcraft 2 had some really great throwbacks to the original, but also some really great new additions. And I really love, I prefer Warcraft 2, obviously, it is just more polished, but I also like base builders. Yeah. To start out there as a result of these games.
0: Speaking of building, um, the first game on my list is The Great Roller Coaster Tycoon, released in March of 1999. And so this was such an awesome game and i really loved roller coaster tycoon um obviously like the the you are running a theme park um and you can build roller coasters by by the default and so this is definitely one of the ones where there was all these um all these different scenarios that you could do where like you would start with a park and you would have to do something like almost more of a puzzle game than like a, a like a park builder and so like those were really cool then you could also just like do a park and just build cool roller coasters and all that kind of stuff. Like, um, so do you prefer so this roller
1: coaster was, tycoon or your new roller coaster tabletop game?
0: I mean, there's very there unf- similar themes in those unfair, themes. unfair. Um, that's it, that's it. Yeah, and so it, they're very, like, I mean, obviously they're very different, but um, <laughs> but like, unfair is really fun because you get like the backstabby side of it where you don't really do that in roller coaster tycoon if there was a I mean, pvp of
1: so. roller coaster tycoon there would be though you're not wrong because you already have to put up with like inspections and stuff naturally yeah. throughout the game now you get a like, sabotage people Ooh. Uh-huh. unfair would be a great just adaptation of roller coaster tycoon not gonna lie unfair like i you
0: just... mean heard. you could basically play unfair without the player pa- like without the affecting other players and it would basically be roller coaster tycoon
1: exactly I mean, like, now you just make it affect other players and you just, like, add, like, an RTS aspect to Roller Tycoon. So it's not, like, completely an adaptation mm -hmm. unfair. And boom. Successful theme park war. (laughs) Yeah. Chris, what's your number two? My number two is one that I played a lot of um, with friends, um, and that's Donkey Kong Country. Um, Almost made mine. The reason why it's making mine, like normally it's not, it's honestly not one of my favorite games, but it has a special place because it was such an early game with an amazing co-op feature. Like so many of my early favorite games are ones that I just, because I played by myself um, for the most part. Um, but, you know, Donkey Kong Country is one that I got to share with my friends and we played it together all the time. Um, and, and it's great because it was co-op, not versus Mm -hmm. for the most part there's versus things but um and i really enjoyed that that we just got to play together um and yeah so i had to throw that one in there because co-op is phenomenal in that game and they did a really good job with that for such an early um early game honestly super nintendo yo yeah
0: um my next one also a super nintendo game and that's super mario world um came to the U S originally in 1991. So obviously I didn't play it till later because
1: what I You're would have been video games yet at one. I was, it would have been less than one at the time.
0: And so, um, <laughs> and so kind of with a shout out here the, of super Mario bros, the original one is the first game I remember playing. And so like big shout out to that, but um super Mario world is probably, I don't know if it was one that I actually like technically beat. I'm sure I didn't, but like, um, there was definitely a lot going on and I really enjoyed playing it and getting quite a few, like quite a ways into the game itself. And so, um, and then of course, riding Yoshi, eating the things, eating enemies and stuff like that was really cool. Oh, Yoshi, um, And so like I said, I really enjoyed, I mean, all of them, but especially super Mario world.
1: Nice. Yeah. My last one. It's a toss up, but I'm going to go here just because I have to do the Final Fantasy shout out. Granted, we got from our responses, lots of people listed Final Fantasy games, but I'm going to throw out Final Fantasy Tactics. And it's because I loved the class system. Yeah. I, I, I It got me into the class systems for all of Final Fantasy games, understanding different character classes and everything uh, moving forward. Um, still developed my favorite like my favorite classes even for like going into like d anymore or anything are based on mostly the classes from tactics um and all in all wonderful story um way over my head when I was younger obviously playing that game I just wanted to punch things as a monk um or make an army of monks and just punch everything Um, and also it's the game that got me that endowed my love of grinding (laughs) I love sitting there on a single level and leveling up to like 20 levels on a single stage and then just cruising through the story (laughs) one hit everything from there just surround a chocobo and scream for for like hours Tips. (laughs) Tips. <laughs> but yeah, so Final Fantasy Tactics is also just, it made me fall in love with the Final Fantasy lineup in general. Wasn't my first Final Fantasy, but definitely from that initial era, might be one of my favorites. So when I said
0: less than 10 years old, I had not looked up when this game came out. And I'm going to just say I was nine years, 11 months. And like 15 days old when this game came out. So it counts and that's Pokemon gold. <laughs> so I don't know the actual days. I didn't actually do that math, but like it came out October of 2000. Um, so it just gets in um, before the, uh, before my 10th birthday. And um, so huge shout out to Pokemon gold. Um, it was probably the Pokemon game that I got the most into. It was That's very much
1: a, original yeah. color, right? Still,
0: yeah, yeah. It was Game Boy color, and so very much. Um, I mean, I think you see from a lot of people very much still considered one of the best Pokemon games, um, especially with the remakes for Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Um, and like I said, it was one of the first. Like, it was right at the peak of the Pokemon craze. Everything was crazy. It's the first game I put two hundred hours in um easy to do in that one yeah and i just loved this game so much um for me i've talked about it on the show before um when i was playing red and blue i skipped how to catch pokemon and like i just didn't know where to get pokeballs everything oh i didn't know where to get pokeballs oh okay because like when they teach you how to do it they're like go to the pokemart and buy more i didn't know that where's the PokeMart? and so like i watched the show so i knew you like threw pokeballs but i didn't know and then like Because like in Pokemon, um, the initial gens, your bag also wasn't sorted based on item type. So like, even if you were to go and buy stuff, it would just get lost in your bag somewhere. Um, And I didn't know how to move stuff around. And so like, I just didn't know how to catch Pokemon. And I didn't understand types, um, at least not well enough when I was starting that game. And so playing um, gold was like the first time that like, like, I knew what I was doing um, from the get-go. Like, I was ready to do all that. I was ready to catch Pokemon. I was ready to do all that stuff. And like I said, it's um, it's probably one of the, f- like, defining RPGs of my childhood um, is Pokemon Gold. Um, and oh, it's just such a good game.
1: I mean, yeah, Gold and Silver have a very special place in in our generation's minds. Because for one thing, it is a more polished version in terms of mechanically than red and blue in the US, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and it was, like, honestly, they did such a great job for for early technology in the PlayStation and in the Pokemon games. Um, phenomenal, and that's why it's also one of the most beloved remakes as well. Um, also just a wonderful generation of Pokemon. Yeah. Just in general, um, but yeah, my first Pokemon game was Pokemon Yellow. Had the little Pikachu following you. I loved it. That yeah, it was really cool.
0: I guess I should say my Pokemon Yellow was because I had Yellow, I had Blue, and then Yellow, um, and so that was probably the one that I like first really knew what was going on. But it, it didn't. It wasn't quite the same because,
1: right? I probably would have like I I had Pokemon on my short list. Um, I chose not to. I probably would have been if I had like if I could afford the accessories to play. <laughs> so like the trading cables and everything to consistently play with everyone else that was, but for the most part, I just played that game by myself.
0: Mm. Um we've got a lot of chat stuff going on. Um, but I do want to make some call outs. Um, so um deanna says putt putt and Freddy fish which you know like those were definitely like games that i played a lot of as well like just because like you could just play them and they were kind of like that puzzly you could click all the things um she also says minecraft lego star wars and then um fallen order which was her first console game she ever completed and then um, Proud of you, yeah from the infinity bros they got them they say um i assume this is isaac um says backyard sports games civilization and madden um were my first loves big civilization shout out as well
1: Ooh, Civs.
0: um i want to say civ 2 was the one i really got into but um or like i want to say two and three were kind of like the prime that i I got into
1: predominantly three is when i got into those more so um I think I was probably bigger into like Age of Empires. Oh, and how could I leave that off? Heroes of Might and Magic. How did I miss that one? Mm-hmm. Heroes of Might and Magic 2. I played so much of that game. 32167. That's how you get five black dragons and you just kill everything. Yes, I remember that cheat code. 32167 32167 321 3, rosebud. If you're playing the Sims, exclamation mark, <laughs> semicolon, exclamation mark, boom. <laughs> Remember cheat codes, man. Um,
0: but yeah, like those are the big ones. There's definitely more of a conversation going on, so we want to give a big shout out to chat for that. But, um, at least those are the major games that we got um, called out. And so, with that, Chris, you will not be with us next week, you're taking some time off. Um and, they go and so
1: take my sister's post wedding pictures and hang out in Maine.
0: Maybe get another tattoo.
1: They won't tattoo me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Thought about it. But unfortunately, tattoo parlors are closed to non-locals. Understandable but, though. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Maine's got to keep those numbers down.
0: Yep. And so with that next week, we're going to be doing a little bit of a Doctor Who extravaganza. um, And our top three list is going to be, if you were the Doctor, who would your top three companions be? I will be in chat though. Yeah. And so Chris, you have until then to do your research on what companions you would want. And I guess I should say, what fictional characters would be your companions?
1: Oh, I already got those. And so- I don't even know what a companion needs to be. I just- just picking. Um,
0: <laughs> as I was thinking about this, um one of our very initial before we even did top 3s was when um way before we even did top 3s was when Final Fantasy 15 came out. We did who was who would be our road trip buddies?
1: Oh yes. Those were good ones. Like
0: not well, not quite the same. There's definitely a big similarity between like the characters I would want to be companions and the ones I think would be good road trip buddies. I
1: mean it makes sense. Granted companions are going to be more one on one instead of a group, but um, so they don't like when you're picking your road trip buddies, they got a mesh too, you know? Right.
0: Well, and, and I guess I, we whereas did, your
1: three options for your companion don't necessarily mesh because you're typically only going to yeah. see them. it's either going to be one or the other.
0: And I, and I guess we could even have this as I, I'll discuss it with Shanine and Emma, but like, it could even be like, cause there are times to the series where the doctor has multiple companions at once. So it could be like, if you were to have two people at Scandalous. once, who would they be? <laughs> and so typically, at least most recently, it's a married couple.
1: Like, oh, okay. and so, so I'm just thinking uh, of what the companions are in Firefly. I'm like,
0: yeah, not the same. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it's so, like there are even times where, like, I'm towards like the more season finale type events where a lot of stuff is going on. Well, there'll be like six to eight people in the TARDIS. So, like, we're not going to go that crazy, but, um, yeah. Who would your companions be if you were the doctor? And so, As we wrap up, as always, you can find us on our social media, which is 1geek411, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation community. You can also join our Discord if you want to hang out and chat with us between shows. Um, You can shoot us an email at 1stgeek411 at gmail.com. You can also watch live on our Twitch at 645 Mountain Time and find our videos on our YouTube. Um, We gave Chunk the Hut a shout out at the beginning of the show for gifting a whole bunch of subs. 11 total. Yes. And so, um, so shout out again for that. And then we also want to shout out um, Taos seven seven seven, and then not so foreign, whoever that is. <laughs> and then, while it did not show up, a certain Humar Witzel also subbed, and I'm really not sure why it's not there. But <laughs> um, so shout out to I guess us and Greg. And I then like I guess we don't need to and, give
1: our, our, our individual screen names now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and then obviously, um, in addition to gifting subs, Chunk the Hut was our first sub on the channel. So, um, shout out to him for that as well. Yeah, cool. He has the, um, the first first. And so, um, and then Um, If you're a podcast listener, you can write and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And then you can check out our show notes on our website, onegeek411.com, where you can find the episodes of our sister podcast, Faith, Trust, and Pixie Dust. And then, already kind of went through those handles, but you can find us on our personal social media as well. I'm Kimar
1: Wittel. I'm not so foreign. And just to spell that this time again, (laughs) it's N-O-T-S-O, the number four, E-I-G-N. And it's been a great week. Wash your hands. I love you.